0: Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and as nearly always, I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well. I like that. Nearly always. It's very accurate.
0: (laughs) I used to say always, and then it was like every second episode I was with someone else. So, But it's nice to be back with you. How have things been?
1: Yeah, good, good, uh, ever-changing, but um, <laughs> but learning to adapt very quickly to anything. And I'm, I'm becoming very comfortable at home, to be honest.
0: That's nice to hear because this episode and the next few are all going to be around this working from home theme. Um, I'll come back to it in a minute, but there's an awful lot to cover in that. It's really nice to hear that you're getting used to that that working arrangement. Anything in particular going on for you there?
1: Well... I I don't think it's good to be honest because I'm getting very comfortable and I am almost becoming even more of a recluse than I've ever been (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which is a bit worrying but um but um but yeah I'm but at the same time I am developing some uh habit well I wouldn't say habits but I am becoming more strict with how I use my time and more deliberate and uh, more strict about not having my phone handy all the time. So I, I've developed actually some stuff that I, that I hope will, will help me in the future.
0: Okay. And, you know, the noticing of that is really important. That, you know, lots of the conversations I've had lately about working from the home environment have been about the importance of noticing any differences in how you work, when you work, how it feels to work that way, so that you can make changes that are useful for you. Or you can notice benefits and keep keep doing those things. Now, we're, we're going to talk about working from home over the next few episodes because there's a lot within the theme. And this was really brought home to me both by a couple of projects I'm doing with clients at the moment and an interview I gave on the topic of uh, overwork or extended working hours when working from home. And just having those discussions really shone a light on it for me. Um, and I'm sure everyone's aware of this, but it's a complex topic. And you can look at it from different perspectives. There's lots of factors. It's not a very simple, um, here's a checklist. I mean, I don't think anything we talk about is that straightforward. Here's a checklist, do this. But I thought what we w- we could do is, is cover it over a range because the working from home experience is now something that far more people are experiencing, I think. I'll, I'll speak about the UK, but I know it's happening all over the place due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And for for many people, that has not been by choice. That's been because their workplaces have asked them to work from home because they're closing their shared workspaces. And so it's been done quickly. It's been done at short notice. It's been done maybe without a whole lot of planning. And yet here we are now. It's November 2020 when we're recording many people have 6 7 months under their belt of this experience i think it's useful to now look forward when it it seems like home working is here to stay in a sense and if people won't be working at home permanently from now on there's a good chance they'll be doing more of it if that works for them and so maybe let's move from the panic mode the quickly, quickly grab your laptop and go home and and maybe look at it uh, in a more rounded way in a more sustainable and healthy way that works for everyone, so less rush, um, more reflection on what's been working, and I think that's really key
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we're going to be looking at it today introducing the topic, um, looking at some feedback and a question from someone who came to one of our, the, the public webinars recently. And then over the next few episodes, we'll be looking at topics like keeping healthy, looking after your well-being psychologically and physically, which is something that often gets omitted when we talk about the working from home experience. We'll also be talking about the importance of maintaining a focus on managing relationships, uh, both at work and the relationships outside of work, and looking after your boundaries, however you want to do that. but re- retaining a focus on boundaries between the professional and the personal. We'll also touch on productivity so that... Um, Avoiding either the trap of too many distractions or the other trap of um, work taking over and um, that sprinting, that relentless striving that can sometimes be a pattern when working from home. And last but not least, far from it, we'll be looking at the roles of leisure and hobbies and rest and recovery. When working from home, because it can be a very different experience for people who work at home uh, compared to those who are full-time work, uh, based in the, um, the the shared physical workspace. I, I, I m- my default is to call it the office, and I know it's not an office for everyone, but I hope everyone understands what I mean by that 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 shared workspace um, where people are physically together. So, quite a few things to cover, but I know this is also a topic you're very interested in too, Pilar.
1: Yes and like you say because of the depth of it and also now because of the diversity of why and how people are carrying it out and also with the diversity in future prospects and how the the current working from home can affect how how often maybe people want to continue doing it or even if they go back to whatever workplace what they can take like like you say what they can take of what they've learned about themselves in the future i think that's for me like you say the, the most interesting part is everything that we can learn about ourselves and how we work by being in this environment
0: absolutely there's there's no reason why we can't just draw a line now and say how has that been and what's worked well what has not been so good because, you know, just thinking of some examples right now, there are people for whom this has been a blessed release <laughs> from from um, back-to-back meetings and long commutes. And there are other people who are finding that work is bleeding into their personal life um, almost by default because maybe they live by themselves or maybe they're finding relentless back-to-back Zoom meetings a new source of difficulty and stress. So it's not as simple as, you know, it's perfection or it's a disaster. There's lots of space in between. But it's worth asking questions about how this arrangement can work better for the employee and as well for the employer. And of course, we have to talk it at a general sense because we know there's a diversity of roles, people, working environments out there. But I hope we can add some value, at least by asking the questions. But listen, before we dive into all of that, there's a few other things to cover off, few, few, maybe small things, uh, to cover off. And I was just going to, um, go back to the interview, um, that maybe sparked my thoughts on this. And I'll link to it. It's, um, uh, I was interviewed by, by Briette Schild, GEO, all about this topic of overwork and the risks that come from working at home um, when it comes to extended working hours or you know, managing the pressure of work, but just that difference. And it was talking about that difference that really got me thinking about it. The difference in terms of physical environment, the difference in terms of contact with other people, the difference in terms of perceived support, support that's available, um, the, the difference in terms of visual cues and noise and distractions. And so it, it's really worthwhile talking about it from these different perspectives, just to remind people. Now, I've got a few people in mind as we go through this series. I'd really like to speak to the individuals who are working uh, from home, even occasionally, and to leave them with some uh, food for thought and maybe some suggestions for things that they can try. But I'd also like to address a lot of this to people who are managing those who are working from home, because that's a big step for a lot of people to have their team move to a distributed model uh, where they can't see them all the time. They can't just step across the office. They can't just tap them on the shoulder. And there's some skills and some attitudinal changes maybe that are required there. and also address some of this to senior organizational decision makers who have an opportunity to make changes at a, at a higher level that could benefit people. Because as I say, there's a big difference between shall we experiment with working from home versus there's a global pandemic, we need to shut the office. And so I'd really like us to think about it in terms of the former rather than the latter. So I'll put a link to that interview. And thanks again to, to Brie for inviting me to participate in that. And I'm also going to link to another interview I did since we last spoke with the guys at the World of Work podcast. Um, I can really recommend their podcast to, to listeners. If you enjoy this, you'll definitely like their podcast. And we, we had a really great old chat about uh, what a topic that's familiar to us, uh, Pilar, procrastination. Mm.
1: Yes that must have been real fun.
0: Well both as people right and and also we've talked about it <laughs> on <laughs> on the podcast but it was really interesting to be interviewed about it and um to to look at it from a from a few from a few different angles uh, there as well. So um I'll link to both of those for for the listeners they'll go in in the show notes and uh, on the other hand, I'm also doing the day job. And as ever this year, a lot of the focus is on wellbeing. And I'm uh, just about to launch a new wellbeing program with a, with a new client and prepping for the launch of a new uh, psychological flexibility and resilience program that will begin in January. Well, it'll begin for delegates in January. I've, I've started work on it already. It's It's the end of November. And it reflects a lot of the the work that clients want to do at the moment that I really like, which is investment in people um, up front rather than oh no, lots of terrible things have happened. Can you help these people? Uh, I really prefer the upfront uh, strategies to avoid difficulties, um, but of course the other the other happens as well, and so that that well being focus is also in mind that uh, when we look at people moving. To the working from home arrangement, the focus can be on efficiency and productivity. And yes, ensuring people do good work when not in the office is important, right? But so is their well being. And um, it's very easy for us to fall into habits that aren't so helpful when we're outside of, of the office environment. Uh, Pilar, you mentioned the working from home experience. Have you fallen into any habits that you think are less than helpful? Not really. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Not that
1: I can think of. Uh, I, I, do, I don't but I do think it's uh, associated with the working from home, but uh, the, the phone has been a problem over the past few months. And I think part of it is the um, that, for example, I've got my email, on my, my work email on my phone, and that made sense when I was moving around, but now it doesn't make sense. So I've stopped that. Uh, mm. uh, as from two days ago only. So we'll see how that goes. And then I can, so I can, so I can work better and there's no need for me to have it handy all the time, something like that. So, yeah, but I've been, I've been very mindful as well of, um, of space because I haven't been able to use other spaces, obviously uh, during the, 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 tighter lockdowns. Mm. So I've, I've, I've made sure that I created, for example, a space to read and just, read and and have a coffee, which is what I used to do when I went to the cafe. Uh, But I'd lost that because I didn't have that space. So I've been thinking through, what did I used to do that was out of the house, even though I work mainly from home? And how can I recreate that? What is it that I miss? So it's it's, it's also, yeah, even those of us who've been working from home for a while have had to rethink uh, some of our practices.
0: It's been a change for everyone, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Because these are kind of national regulations rather than you making some changes by yourself. I, I know from my part, I, I definitely drink more coffee when I work from home. <laughs> um, and I think it's as much to get a break from the desk. So maybe I can replace some of that with water mm. instead of coffee. That might be good. And I also um, had a change with my phone as well recently because I, I was upgrading my, my iPhone and had the option of getting some monstrous, huge, phone, which is what I had. And then I thought, well, the reason I got that was because I spent so much time traveling Mm -hmm. and going places and I needed a big screen because it was going to be my main device as I was dashing from city to city. Uh, I don't need that. I don't need that right now. And I don't need it for the foreseeable future. So I got myself a much nicer, smaller phone (laughs) that can actually fit in my pocket. And it was just that thought that, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be dashing to airports anytime soon, and I'm not going to be managing my email off this screen as a priority. Um, mm, new normal, strange, but yeah.
1: I also think there's um, whether there's value also in thinking for people who have experienced working from home and and found value in it. So people who hadn't experienced it before, or organisations who've had people working from home and it's working out to be thinking also once, uh, however long it takes, whether it's six months or a year, once things start to open up, the working from home experience will be different because then the the home worker can start to use the home when it suits them most. As in, like we're saying, then you can have breaks in a different way. You can use different public spaces in a different way. So I wonder also that awareness that you were talking about, uh, so that once things start to open up, we can also use other spaces.
0: Exactly. And very, um, from a societal level, I think this is is pointing in the direction of fewer centralized massive offices and mm. far more distributed shared workspaces where if someone needs a break from the home environment or it's just not suitable on a given day, they can go to somewhere else and get a desk and, you know, do their job from there. And, you um, and, and you know, a- any job that can be done that way um, and give people the flexibility of working in different environments. So I think it all points in the general direction of flexibility, but it, it, what I think really needs to happen is for employers to realise that many roles can be done flexibly, in different Mm -hmm. environments. And the focus is on outputs and quality rather than on where it's being done or maybe when it's being done. Because another thing to come out of all of this is that some people are working to a rhythm that really suits them biologically, You know, they're maybe not a morning person and a morning um, long commute has been hellish for them. But feeling that they can start a little bit later and work a little bit later, maybe imperceptibly to those around them because they're not visibly turning up at the office, that's made all the difference for them. Um, So I think that kind of flexibility can be very welcome as well.
1: And even something that's happened to my husband is that he's realized that he can work really well quite early in the morning from the sofa. Mm -hmm. So uh, if he can, he now starts working, I don't know, like an hour and a half earlier uh, from the sofa and does some stuff, which he would never do if he had to do that from the office, because the logistics of getting out of the house that early, it's not as nice. So also that flexibility of the might be bits of work that we do in the morning and if we still have a workplace to go to then maybe we go to the workplace mid-morning and do another set of uh of tasks over there so i think that you're right that it's the flexibility that's really interesting and whether that's that we choose the place or we choose when we go to a shared workspace i think there's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of discovery possible
0: now, I've called this series Working From Home and we've just agreed that it's not just about working from home, but look, we'll work with that.
1: <laughs> we'll focus a bit more, but I think it is, but I think it is related in that, in that uh, the, the home is one more space and we have to yeah. treat it as such and work within it so that it works for us.
0: Absolutely. And what I really want to focus on across the next few episodes is that when you do choose to do that and you work from your own home, that you do that in a way that works for you and works for your organization so that it can be as much of a win-win as possible. You know, the, the, The sheer volume of people doing this has grown this year because of what's gone on this year. But there are very strong indications that while not everyone will continue to do this, far more people will be doing it in 2021 and 2022 than we're doing it in 2018 and 2019. So I'm not one for making huge predictions, but I think it's safe to say uh, many, many, many more people will be doing that, not only because their organizations have seen some benefits to it, but they've seen some benefits to it and they will be uh, less keen on returning to how things were last year, unless they're really, really forced to, because it's benefited them, it's benefited their sleep, their families, their productivity, um, the amount of time they spend commuting, lots of wins there. So let's focus on the positives where we can. Now, I wanted to loop back to something I mentioned a li- little while ago. Over the last uh, six months or so, I've been running the work-life webinars. Every two weeks, a uh, free public webinar about a different topic, um, something well-being or productivity or effectiveness, the core topics that we focus on at Work Life psych And, um, and it's been great. People have been joining them and uh, we've you know, I've been answering questions and we've had great conversations through those. And I've been recording them and putting them up on, on the YouTube channel. So the details of all of them are at com slash webinars and all the recordings are on YouTube and you can find that uh, just search for Work Life Psych or go to com slash YouTube. And um, I only do them once and I'm conscious that the timing isn't perfect for everyone around the world, but I do get people dialing in from around the world, which is really interesting to see. But, or and, I had a question on the back of the last one that I ran, which was titled Work-Life Harmony. And that was a webinar all about looking at the interface between the personal and the professional from the perspective of, of roles and how roles can complement each other, but to move away from this notion of uh, automatic tension between work and life or looking for balance between work and life and I've banged on about this before but I'd really like people to see work as part of life and so therefore they're not automatically in tension with each other it's another role or set of roles that we we occupy so there were some great um questions from from uh, delegates uh, on the on the webinar uh, some got really you know got me thinking um, and uh, left me with some some great thoughts. But one of the delegates, Sarah, got in touch and she's given me permission to to share this on the podcast. And we've been exchanging messages via Twitter since. So I'm going to share the message that she shared with me. I think it's very relevant to what we've been talking about. And then we'll do our best to answer her question. Hi Richard, I was reflecting further on your talk this week on work life harmony and was just wondering how you would approach occupations where there are high levels of stress and things happening which take a psychological strain, such as working in a pediatric oncology nurse or a transport police officer seeing a lot of suicide. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this, as work life balance slash harmony is very important, perhaps now more than ever. So first of all, Sarah, thanks for the question. Thanks for um, the conversation we've been having so far and for for joining me on the day. Um, That's a a really big, meaty question, Mm -hmm. isn't it? There's a lot going on there. And I think it's really useful. I really wanted to flag it in this episode because, first of all, when we think about working from home, we can often fall into the trap of a stereotypical view of people who work at home or bring work home. And secondly, we can also forget about those many, many, many roles who cannot bring their work home. I mean, they cannot fulfill their role from home, but who end up taking thoughts and emotions about work and they bring that home with them in uh, maybe an unwelcome or undesirable way. And those two roles they're very, very demanding roles, Um, exposed to a lot of uh, pressure, emotional labor, potentially uh, witnessing death or the aftermath of death. So really, really demanding, demanding roles. So I've pointed this out in in my initial um, answers. And I think the, the key things to remember here are that it's not about balancing Uh, work and life but maybe the first thing would be to understand just how important these roles are to these people as part of their life how how closely they identify with being that oncology nurse or that police officer and to look at the pros and the cons of that the pros are are, are obvious I think you know the the strong identification the matching of your values with what's required of you um, and being really satisfied that you're doing a job that that is really important in society. Let's put it that way. The downsides might be over-identification with that and making it easier for those thoughts, those emotions, those ruminations to follow you home and and take up time when you're not at work physically and when you're with other people, when you're with your family, your friends. And so you've got that undesirable spillover of, of thoughts and emotions. And of course, um, this these are... Uh, very demanding examples, but the same dynamics can apply to anyone who has uh, challenging events happen when they're at work. Now, there there will be support systems in place for people occupying those roles. There'll be employee uh, assistance programs and counselling available to people who have very, very difficult challenges and they don't want that stuff to come home with them. But it leads me to think about when you're working at home, and you have a difficult day, what do you do then? Um, for many people, they've they've talked about how the commute home is a useful unpacking time where they can think things through, they can draw a line under the working day, when they can start to transition into their personal selves rather than their professional selves. If you've been sitting at a desk in your living room and you've been having difficult conversations or you've been receiving difficult feedback or you've been delivering very bad news to people. What do you do then? Pilar, any any thoughts on that? Is, Is that sounding relevant to your view of the working at home challenge?
1: Yeah. And uh, I also had the, the thought of that, that during, specifically during the pandemic or still in lockdown or still in, in very restricted conditions, some people might be carrying out these jobs at home. So jobs that maybe otherwise would be uh, somewhere else where you would go somewhere else and, and leaving st- that somewhere else behind would help you then not bring stuff home that now maybe they're having to do some of this from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. apart from that, which is one thought, it took me back to, the the what i think is the the main concept behind the work you do around psychological flexibility which is being ready and developing a set of skills so that they're there for you to use when you need them. And but what I mean by that is you mentioned the commute and I've started seeing the word uh, digital commute come up quite often in the press, mm. which is that um, that space, that buffer that you need to create very deliberately if you're working in the same place as you're living, <laughs> which is the home. And I'm thinking, so even when we when we're enjoying the work and when things are good and we don't mind this uh, spill and integration of work-life spaces and stuff, that actually having that buffer and creating that buffer can help us then when we do need that big break. So I was that's the first thing that was coming to mind is Knowing that things might get difficult and before they get difficult to, to think about them, obviously, in the current circumstances, that's <laughs> almost impossible because it's all happened. But I think that moving forward, it's making me think, yeah, having creating that space, even when it's not bothering us, uh, just so that when it is conflicting, then we can create that uh, separation.
0: I think that's a very useful perspective to take. And, and we will return to that when we look at the uh, managing relationships and boundaries theme in a couple of episodes time. But I, you've touched on two really interesting things for me. One, the practicalities of what you do at the end of your working day mm. at home to delineate that, whether it be to, to illustrate to others that you've finished work or just to yourself. My routine is I do X at the end of the working day. And when I finish X, that means I'm no longer at work. They're the practical kind of behavioral strategies that we can use. But also to come back to your point about psychological flexibility, anything that we can do under the umbrella term diffusion, anything that we can do to get space between us and unwelcome thoughts will also allow us to focus on what we want to focus on, our friends, our families, our leisure, our making dinner, whatever it is. Whatever we want to be doing that we can bring our attention and our focus and our time to that, not the thoughts about work and the thoughts about next week and the thoughts about last year and I think that that's a really important point and we'll come we will return to it, but of course we've we've covered it previously in our series on psychological flexibility, and so one of the points I made in a response to Sarah was that the examples she's given where people experience Uh, significant psychological strain in very demanding roles, that's crossing over, you know, across that gray zone into potentially uh, the psychotherapeutic um, zone. Mm. So where someone with counseling psychology or clinical psychology skills would be best to support them. But of course, there are skills as well that we can all learn as professionals to help us manage the inherent difficulties in a role. And that's something else that's come up a few times in conversations in the last six months. Um, there's a, there's an approach that I could very cynically call the sticking plaster approach. And, and I think we've all heard about examples like this in organizations where people are worked within an inch of their sanity. Uh, but you know what, we've got yoga on a Friday. Mm. And you, well, you know, you could do that, or you could look at Manager your skills, manage your attitudes, good job design, get the essentials right, and then you won't have to pay for a yoga teacher. I, I think giving people the skills to cope with what is inherently already difficult is is really really useful, and also giving them the support system there that they know that that's going to be available to them. Maybe not inevitable, but it's it's available to them, and um, these skills like diffusion, like acceptance, are really, really relevant where you're going to be exposed to difficult situations anyway. And that's not the same as bad job design. I hope I'm making my point there really clearly. There's a big difference between being a pediatric oncology nurse and working in a toxic environment. You know, there, there are different kinds of demands. Some are unavoidable. Some really could be taken care of by, by the organisation. So a big crossover there um, with, with demands of role, with where you do your job, with the kind of psychological hangover you can be left with when you return home. And of course, the people who are working at home, this is really important. And that's why I want to pick up on this next time when we talk about well-being, both from a psychological but also from a physical point of view. So brace yourself for hearing the word ergonomic a few times <laughs> In the next episode. But um, one thing I'd really like to do before we start to wrap up is to ask listeners, if you have been working from home uh, over the last few months, and I won't make any assumptions there, if you have, get in touch with your suggestions for what you have found beneficial. We'd love to share them as, as examples and as suggestions, not as silver bullets for any difficulties. Things that people. Other people might want to try. What have you found beneficial to you in terms of your routine, in terms of managing technology, managing boundaries, relationships, all of this stuff? What's worked for you? And similarly, if there are things that are still problematic for you, if little, little things around the edges that are still bothering you or even core to the working from home experience, get in touch with your questions. We'll, we'll do our best to come up with some sensible suggestions for you. The next few episodes are really going to be informed by your questions, your feedback, your suggestions. So we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a message via Twitter at MyPocketPsych or send us something longer on the contact form on the website, worklifepsych.com slash contact. So Pilar, anything to add to all of that before we wrap up?
1: I would like to thank Sarah because her uh, comment made me think about a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise. And so would therefore like to encourage listeners to send anything because anything that comes from the outside is going to make the, the content stronger and, and it's going to get our brains thinking too. So selfishly, uh, I would really <laughs> welcome that. <laughs> it,
0: it is always great to get questions because it, it absolutely, absolutely, makes you look at things a little bit differently. And if you're a listener that that uh, is new and you didn't know we, we we did these webinars and you go back and have a, a look through some of the recordings and you've got questions off any of those, do get in touch with those as well because while the focus is gonna be on working from home, that's not exclusive. And if there's something you really want to know get to get clarity on from from, from previous conversations, feel free uh, to get in touch. We always love to hear from people who listen to it. And more and more, I'm amazed at <laughs> the people I meet or I'm in contact with who also mention uh, specific episodes that they've heard and uh, what they've taken away from it. So it's it's fantastic to hear um, from, from our listeners. So please do get in touch. So Pilar, episode 76, our fresh perspective on working from home. I think we're done. there we are another episode finished thank you for joining us once again and please if you have questions or comments about anything we've discussed this time around get in touch we love to hear from our listeners you can send us a message on uh, twitter at my pocket psych or send us a longer message via the contact form on the website and that's at slash contact thanks for listening